Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. And we want to thank our friend Sean for making that a voiceover for our intro for us. We greatly appreciate it. He's got a voice for that kind of thing much better than me. So we greatly appreciate that he took the time to thank you, Sean. To do that for us. And it is Valentine's Day. It is a well, it's approaching Valentine's Day or Valentine's Week, I suppose, for those of us who catch the podcast. You know how this thing comes in. Most of our viewers come in about Monday, Tuesday. And I suspect that their Monday routine is going to be a little different. At least those here in America. Now, we have listeners kind of worldwide, so I don't know about the Valentine's Day there. So it would actually be interesting to kind of hear about that. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can send a dear lovey letter over there to love at latenightlove.us. So that's a good way to... Yes, please. I'd love to hear from you. And we would love to have your relationship questions. Not that we can give you great answers, but we can give you answers. <laughs> yeah, we're better than average, I suppose. Our batting average is pretty good. But, you know, you know, all things being equal. And one of these days, we're going to have to get that um, call-in line thing working. It's just, well, I can't see it. Pointless trying to get it to try too many things. But anyway, it is an interesting time of the year, and I never thought that I'd be talking about the Queen of England on our show. Well, no. But it turns out we are. Because right around Valentine's Day, I guess last week, um, the Queen had, I forget what they call it, something, and she said, Prince Charles will become king. And what was for British society, I suppose, what was interesting in British society was that, uh, was that Camilla becoming queen was a big thing, apparently. I don't know. Well, they take it very seriously. But you can kind of understand it. She was, you know, Diana, and she died tragically and all that. And she was kind of seen as the evil replacement. And well, she was the other woman from day one. Yes, and, and you can understand that. But I, I read in her article, and of course these articles are, are printed, are posted on our, uh, our websites and in the description, so you can follow along and go read it. It was actually an interesting article from some woman who was on, she called it Team Diana. And, you know, Camilla Parker Bowles was the uh like the devil incarnate herself kind of like the oh what's the word i'm looking for kind of the the evil other woman kind of the the symbol of all the badness you know but as it turns out as now the woman who wrote this article she's starting to realize you know 20 years later or whatever it is that you know she was her herself was part of the reason her marriage crumbled now, this actually doesn't really matter about, you know, which side of this you're on. It's that we all 
oftentimes have a role to play. Um, you know, sometimes you're just with louses, right? And they're just that way. But most of the time, marriages fall apart for reasons. And she said she was working long hours, seven, six, seven days a week, and she had a very emotional hus uh, husband, and he couldn't take it. And his explanation was he was crying out for help. And, and of course, at the time, you don't understand that, and it's understandable. But given distance, she's been able to say, you know, I actually neglected him. And so it's kind of understandable, you know, in a, in a way. You wish that he would deal with it in a more adult fashion, and you, but maybe he tried. You know, that's something she didn't disclose. How often did he try to reach out to her and was rejected before he finally turned to something else? And it works the same way. The proverbial housewife with the pool boy, you know, if you want to, or the mailman or the milkman or whatever stereotype you want to draw up, it, it's, it happens both ways. It's not a, it's a very human thing. It's not a man or a woman thing. It's a very human thing. And it is, I don't know, does it make it easier if you have a 20, 25 year successful marriage after that? Or if it's a short term thing? I suppose maybe in the long run it does. You really love somebody, and you said they found their true life partner. You know, if you love something, you let it go, type of thing. I don't know. Love is a complicated, painful thing. It's, you wish it would always work out. You wish all of us could not screw it up. But as from someone who has screwed up two of them, you know, played my part in screwing up two of them. So have I. You know, and the question is how much, how much and what, you know, if you want to make sure that you bear the right burden for your responsibility. You don't want to carry the other person's responsibility, right? You're not necessarily, you're not responsible for his actions, but you can understand, like in this particular case, she's not necessarily responsible for his actions, but his actions are more understandable put into complete context. If she had put himself in, maybe what she did is she actually put herself in his shoes. What would I have felt like if I had gone through all of that? If I had been through that kind of trauma and uh, that kind of trauma? Hey, Max, how you doing? His, uh, hey, Max. I can't see his comment. It didn't come through. But don't want to say hi. How you doing? And so these are very painful. You know, marriages are very hard and very successful. And at this time of year where a lot of couples are declaring their love for each other. You know, make sure you actually keep that ground fertilized. Otherwise, you're, you know, the beautiful blossom you are growing. Those beautiful roses you are growing. And die. You know, you can snip your relationship off in the bud. And that's... Do you really want to do that? Do you really want to drive someone you love away? Do you really want to be part of that? It's, uh... Life is a difficult thing. Relationships are hard, and you have to do your thing. You have to pull your weight, and you have to make sure you're not being the one who's toxic as well. Very rarely is it one-sided. It is. It can be. You know, I'm not saying it's never one-sided, because clearly sometimes it is. 
you know, and, and if you happen to be in one of these relationships, get the heck out, right? If you're in a one-sided relationship with a, someone who's either a predator or a severe narcissist, you get out. That's the only thing you can do, right? So let's be clear about that. But anything else, you play a role in it. Maybe 10%, but if you're going to move on and have a successful life and get past the trauma, and you're going to have to accept that role. You're going to have to accept that... You know, I did things, or I let it go on longer, way longer than I should have. Maybe that's your role. So, you know, I didn't listen to myself six months ago, six, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Maybe that's, but even that, if you're not going to do it again, you, you know, you have to accept your responsibility for that. That was my role in my first marriage. I stayed too long in a toxic relationship. He was violent. And uh, my second husband drank. I'm an alcoholic. We were both alcoholics, and he decided to drink. So I knew from experience not to stay in a toxic relationship again that's not good for me yeah. you can't do that so i learned as long as we are learning yeah you don't want to the point of, of accepting responsibility for your roles isn't to beat yourself up isn't to punish yourself it's so you don't do it again or in the future you make better choices that's the whole point so you're better prepared so you're closer to the human being you actually want to be. It's not to beat yourself up. There's no point in punishing yourself over these things. The point is to learn. The point is to become better. The point is to strive for more of who you are and who you want to be. And even within a relationship, too. Yeah. And, you know, you care about this person. You care about that person. You love them. And it is. Sometimes it's difficult to know. I love them, but, you know, sometimes the best it is. This relationship is just going to be toxic if we stick together. You know, sometimes you just know. You can care about them a lot deeply, but you, you can love them deeply, but you just can't live together. Right? You just can't be together. Too many clashes. Too many, you know, maybe there's one or two deal breakers. They're a perfectly lovely human being, but there's a deal breaker or two. And if you try and make that work, you're going to ruin the... You know, you actually have a tendency of spoiling that human being or them spoiling you. And why would you want to do that? And that's the tough part is when there's generally care about someone, they're generally a good human being. When do you pull the plug on that kind of relationship? You know, there's no script to read. You just have to do the best you can. Hopefully you have open communication and you're both kind of seeing the same thing. It makes it a little easier. By the time I got around to making the decision, I had done myself some damage. It took me a year and a half of counseling before I could leave my first husband. Yeah. Well, and sadly, that's a lot of times that's kind of what it takes. Someone else has to kind of walk your hand through why you shouldn't be there. If you've gotten yourself into that point, into the mindset that it's your fault you're in that kind of a situation. And so you should just accept it. And if I'd have known this was going to get this way, I would have had a domestic abuse hotline number to call. But please just search it on the Internet. Talk to your phone. Wait, whatever you can do if, you, if you're in that type of a situation. You know, get out. There's, people will be happy to help you before it becomes 
crisis. Again, we talk about that this year relentlessly. You know, there are people out here to help you before it hits a crisis stage. You know, they'll help you when it hits a crisis stage as well, but they would rather help you before it gets to crisis. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't mean to take this, that, you know, but I guess, hey, talking about relationships, sometimes it takes a, you know, not pleasant turn. But I'm happy for Camilla that, you know, her, the queen finally accepted her. It took a long time. The queen had a cold shoulder to her for a long, long time. But, you know, you make, her, you make your son happy. Mothers tend to soften. <laughs> you know, they just do. If you, make your, if you make your son happy, mothers tend to like you over time. Well, at least she makes them happy. You know, nothing else. So, and you got to give her credit. She took all the, from a from a perspective, she took all of the, uh, warranted or not, she took all of the criticism in stride with the kind of the typical British stiff upper lip kind of thing. You got to give her credit for that. Well, yes. She didn't write a book. She didn't write a book. She didn't. Go take a you know TV tour. She kept to herself. She she did what she was asked, quietly beneath the radar. You know you can respect that, and you can respect if she had gone on the other way. But you can respect that she played the role the queen wanted her to play, and she'd been rewarded. Not necessarily rewarded is probably the wrong word, but her husband has been rewarded for it. Let's probably say it's probably a closer, <laughs> closer. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, that's her role, right? To support her husband. Okay, so what do we got? What's can, next? can we ask these, can we ask and answer these Valentine questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, why eleven. Here are 11 best Valentine's Day questions. There's technically 33 if you keep scrolling down. Oh, okay. But there's the first one's first 11. So we, I thought, I hoped you would have gone through and kind of cherry-picked some. But, okay, let's go. Would you rather have money or more time, and why? Well, that's actually an interesting question. Instinctively, I want to say time, but you know what? Theoretically, it's time, but given my lot and luck in life, just give me some money so I can get through whatever time I have left. I'm happy. I take time. Yeah, I see it, but I have the worst luck, so just give me some cash so I can get through the time I've got, whatever time I've got left. I don't need to extend this thing, you know. I'm not in a hurry to end life or anything, so no one to get me wrong or anything. Like, I'm just, you know, when it comes, it comes. I just, okay. Is Valentine's Day more for men or women? <laughs> Do we even have to answer that question? Her laugh answered the question. We don't give a crap. <laughs> we don't care. The only reason we care is because we have to. Let's be honest. <laughs> if we didn't have to care, we wouldn't. If women didn't care, men wouldn't care. We just wouldn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a handful that would, but for the most part, they wouldn't care. Try it, ladies. Sometime, ask your man if you want to skip Valentine's this year and see what he said. He'll buy you flowers or something anyway. Guarantee it. Because he won't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's a test. <laughs> Alarm bells will be going off. <laughs> Kisses or hugs? I thought they came together. 
Well, I think what they mean by kisses or hugs is which one do you prefer, not that they come necessarily come together. Um, I'm a more of a hugger than a kisser, even though, to be honest, you know. I'm a hugger. So. All right, so what's that? That was short. Who is your favorite couple in pop culture? I don't... Uh, Will Smith and Jada Plinkett. Oddly enough, my f- I don't really have a favorite couple, especially like celebrities and anything. But the favorite made-up couple was back in the days of Moonlighting. Uh, the old show Moonlighting with, uh, I forget her name, but it was Bruce Willis and in, some actress. Was it, I want to say Sam Shepard. No. It was some lady. I know. Her name was Sam. I don't think so. No. Well, it was Dave and Maddie. Um, I do remember, but the couple from Moonlighting would be my favorite actual couple. I probably have that wrong. But they were, but, but at the time, they probably would be my favorite couple now because they were always bickering and fighting, and I'd probably find it annoying. <laughs> but they were funny as hell, so you know, I also, you know, kind of find that amusing. But yeah, we'll see. Just memory-wise, that's what it is. Number five, do you believe vulnerability is a good thing when it comes to love? Dude, you are never more vulnerable than when you're falling in love. Well, if you're not vulnerable, you're not in love. One comes with the other. You you can't, being in love, feeling love, expressing love, sharing love, is fundamentally vulnerable. You're... You're no more vulnerable than that. The person you love the most is the person who can hurt you the most. I don't understand how more vulnerable you get than that. Death is preferred. Well, emotionally speaking. You don't actually prefer death, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. So, yeah. it's Okay, seven. Do you believe love changes people? I know love changes people. It's not even a question. Does it always change people for the better? No. But it does change people. It's, you know, what you do with that change is always the open question. Ten, do you consider yourself romantic? Me? No. I am, and I can prove it. How's that? I wrote you a love poem. Oh. Do you want to hear it? Sure. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I do, but all right. I'm game. Darling, you know I love your mind. Yes, you know I do, but I love your abs. I can't help it, but I do. I don't have abs. I have man boobs at best. They're abs to me. Well, those are pecs anyway, but I don't have abs. You're a Greek god. Yeah. So those are the rose colors, rose colored glasses we talk about all the time. That they're just you're delusional over there, woman. <laughs> How do you know when you love someone? I babble. I giggle a lot. How do you know? <coughs> you don't know. You have faith. You believe. It's like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. You just do. And what you do is you either accept it or you don't. 
you can deny it sometimes for a while. And you can actually say it's not a great idea for me to be in love with that person, so I'm not going to be. That can actually be a choice you make as well. I've done that. But it's something you feel. It's not something you know. If it was something you knew, you wouldn't have artists of all kinds for eons trying to figure out how to express it. and still not do it right. That's the trick. It still has never been truly expressed properly. So I couldn't do it. I can't put what love is to words. No, no. I could try. I could spend 20 minutes rambling on. And it all makes sense to have people, but it still wouldn't quite get it. Maybe I'll do that someday, but not tonight. <laughs> okay. All right. Look forward to that. Would no, you, you don't. <laughs> would you rather have extraordinary love that doesn't last forever or ordinary love that does? Dude, why do you have to choose? You gotta, you're going to live about 80 years. You get to have everything. Well, here's the thing. You don't know what ordinary love is until you've experienced extraordinary love. You have to experience the whole gamut in order to know what it is. It's just the way life works. I mean, just philosophically speaking. I mean, how do you know what good is unless there's bad to balance it? How do you know what mundane is unless you know what great is and what, you know, bad is? How do you know that you know the average day is a wonderful thing unless you've had really crappy days? So you need the whole perspective on life. The whole rainbow. The bad and the ugly. Alright. Do you enjoy playing Cupid? Do you try to introduce people hoping they will make a love match? I'm very bad at that, so no. I don't want the responsibility. That's kind of do with responsibility. I'm just bad, you know. My own track, personal tracker, it ain't all that great. So how in the heck do you think I'm going to be doing with other people? <laughs> I mean, okay, I hit it in one out of three. In baseball, that's pretty good if you're a batter. But, you know, it's... <laughs> when you're responsible for it, that's... <laughs> I would. I'd feel responsible. Yeah, I, I know. But if you say I'm going to set that person up and you have a two out of three chance of getting it wrong. Think of it that way. I know, right? <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> okay, do you remember your first kiss? Do I remember my first kiss? No. I was 13. Danny Dice. We were at a football game. We were underneath the umbrella. I apologize, Danny. She just dropped your name here right on the thing. <laughs> He's a good kisser. Well, okay, there we go. At least it's a compliment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what celeb would you not mind having as your Valentine? Tom Hanks. What? 
Well, see, all the ones I like are nuts. All the ones I find attractive are nuts. So, none. <laughs> I've got the Valentine I want. I don't want any other one. When did you last sing to someone else? Hey, are we celebs yet? See, does that count? <laughs> I choose you, Pikachu. There you go. That works for me. All right. When did you last sing to someone else? I can't sing. Even though I sang to you just the other day. You sang to me the song from Epic NPC Man. Yeah, Adventures of Honeywood. But no one wants to hear that. Now, if someone actually wants to go look that up and sing it, some, a good singer might be able to actually make that song good. But it's, it's one of those songs that's sung deliberately terrible. And I'm great at that. I can do that. Yeah, I'm just, no one wants me singing. I can make babies cry. My daughter, when you'd hold her hand, you'd sing to her. She'd take her fist and shove it in my mouth as a baby. Okay, a you know, I I didn't believe that statement until I saw it happen. <laughs> you do. You make babies cry when you sing. You do. I do. I don't why do know people why? doubt me when I say these things? What is this? Like, I'm making it up. Like, that's something you just make up. <laughs> you wouldn't even think to make that up. It's one of those things that's so unbelievable, it has to be true. Because you, you couldn't think of that to make it up. You just wouldn't. All right, anyway. Would you ever give an anonymous Valentine's Day present? No, I'm too old. But back in your, that's for the young teenagers and stuff like that. I never did. That's for the young. Do you believe it's possible to fall in love on the internet? Yes, I fell in love with you, that wrinkly nose. I saw that nose wrinkle and I said, you are mine. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah, I'm shrinking over here. How does that happen? I've shrunk since the start of the show. Who is most likely to say I love you first? There's no such thing as a most likely. It's the person who feels it first. It's, I don't think it goes one way or the other. Okay. Or the person who's more crass and, and is looking for something short term. So it's just, you know, but we'll, we'll stay on the positive side of the person who feels it first. Here's an interesting one. How should a single person spend Valentine's Day? I've been single, and I took myself out. I bought myself a rose, chocolate. I did it up myself. Go to work. Make a lot of tips. If you're working in the restaurant industry, it's a good day for tips. Just suck those suckers for some bunch of money. Do what the Jehovah's Witnesses do on like Thanksgiving and and, and uh, Christmas and whatnot. They work during those days when no one else wants to, and they get paid the extra money and they get extra tips and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah, one thing to do. Yeah, turn it in your favor a little bit. Have you ever received a Valentine's Day card or gift from a secret admirer? Not that I can remember. 
I probably did in high school, but nothing I can remember. I never did. Yeah, but I was a, a little bit later, and we're different in California than in Ohio, and, you know, and a little few years later. Just saying. Yeah. We're right at the opposite ends of that shift. You're at the end of one, I'm at the, kind of at the beginning of the other. Okay. Yeah. So. That, and I'm in California, and you were in Ohio, in mid, middle of nowhere, Ohio. There's different cultures there. <laughs> I was in the Bible Belt, man. Yeah. We're at hippie heaven over here, so it's just you know, totally different things. Big time. Do you think once you love someone, you will always love them? Or do you think love can fade away with time? I don't think it fades away. Well, love can be spoiled. And then there's sometimes people evolve and change, but you still love them. You just can no longer be with them. And so it evolves. It doesn't fade. Now, if someone's someone you used to love, and it can completely kill it, Someone can kill the love, but I don't necessarily mean that it means it fades away. It's it's different than being killed. You know, someone destroying a loving relationship. It's a different thing. Okay, I have some love quotes. All right. And then it's time for my break. To love at all is to be vulnerable. C.S. Lewis. Love planted the, a rose and the world turned sweet. Catherine Lee Bates. Love is never wrong. Melissa Etheridge. Keep love in your heart. A life without it is like a sunless garden when the flowers are dead. Oscar Wilde. We'll cover the... I've got the one I'll cover while you're gone. Okay. All right. I'm going to step out. So I love is out on her break. We are going to cover... Uh, where did I put that? There it is. It's the drug help line. Go to drug... Uh, drug help. Drughelpline.org slash families. Or you can call one 844 289 That's 1-844-289-0879. So the question that I was going to cover while he's out there is, my sister needs help. She's on meth. When she, and when she can get it, she is homeless. I'm afraid to invite her into my home, but she literally has nobody else. Do I risk it having her in my home? Well, if you're generally afraid, the answer is no. But that doesn't mean you don't help her. As I said, the first thing you want to do is pick up a line, pick up the thing, and call this family and this line. Call this a drughelpline.org/slash/families. Go there because she does need help, and she does. She is going to need someone who is there for her when she's ready 
because the problem is you can't help her until she's ready for help. You know, you can make sure she's fed. You can bring her food. You know, you can make sure she's not starving. You can make sure she she gets to health care, the health services she needs. Um, but if you're generally afraid, if like especially if you have small children or she happens to run with dangerous crowds, then that's a problem. You know, but not everybody who has drug addiction problems is dangerous. And so that's a judgment call you're going to have to make. Um, and the right thing to do isn't clear. But your instinct is correct that you don't want to abandon your sister, but you do want to be careful how you help. And so the best thing to do is to reach out to professionals. And so that's, we've got the... So anyway, so we're talking about the, who's the poor lady who's yes. sister. Yeah. And it's the, well, my suggestion was to call the, the uh, drug helpline, the 1-844-289-0879. Give them a call. They'd rather have you help you now, and they can get you connected. So when your sister's ready for help, she can get help. And, you know, and this is not going to be an easy path for either one of you. No. No. But as I said, you know, you can, there are a few things you can do. If you're not, if you don't feel safe with her in your house, then you can't have her in your house. But that doesn't mean you abandon her. You know, you can make sure she, she's fed. You can make sure she gets uh, health care. You can make sure you, she has opportunities to get connected to services when she's ready. But until she's ready, there's really not a lot you can do. Except make sure of those handful of things you can do. Make sure she stays connected so when she's ready to, to change, she's ready to turn her life around, she, she has some place to go, something to reach for. Because the last thing you want to do is turn your back on her. Yeah. There are limits to what you can help, but you don't want to turn your back. Okay. Alright, so let's get back to this. Is there some better questions in there that can change my mood? That that one was... Well, I wanted to answer this first one. Alright, so let's go through it. Let's just go down the list. Okay, can what do you got? depression suddenly makes you not love your partner and want to totally isolate and withdraw for months? I can only speak from my own experience. I don't... I don't lose my love. It doesn't make me not love my partner. I don't feel joy is much. I have to work at it. I, just like I take my meds, I contact my children, I do my walking, I, I tend to my relationship. You make me laugh every day. You bring me joy. Why would I not tend to this relationship? Yeah, and you've had to be careful because can it over time if you allow it? Sure it can. Or it can at least make you think you no longer love them. 
if you allow that mindset to settle and to fester, to grow like mold, you know, it can make you feel like you no longer love them. But it's that, you know, that thing how mental illness and depression and whatever it is, it lies to you. It tells you things that aren't necessarily true. I mean, that's what we have to be careful of. Is that you don't listen to that part of your brain that's not being honest with you. Because can, over time, if you allow it, it can suck the love out of your relationship. Of course it can. Of course it can. That's why you want to prevent it. That's why you want to look for the signs. That's why you, want, that's why you do exactly what you do, is and you tend to it. So you don't allow that mindset to suck. No, I, I, no. No, that scares me. Yeah, so... I don't want to be without your love. Yeah. Well, and that's the, you know, depression lying to you. And so you have to... Just the only way the only way to deal with that lie to you is to make yourself stronger against it. It's, you can't... You don't actually defeat it. You just become stronger in the face of it. That's one of the things I tell people is... I try to tell talk to people about is is that with anxiety or depression or any of these, even things like bipolar, your medication, it makes you stronger against it. So it no longer becomes the big, huge, massive ordeal. It doesn't go away. It's not like a broken bone that you can heal, put a cast on, and six weeks later you take it off and, and you're back to normal after some exercise. It's not how it works. It's a lifelong process. And even when you get past the crisis stage, and even when you get fairly good at dealing with it, you still have to manage it. You still have to maintain it. It's just the way it is. I give my effort every day. Yeah. So, alright. Is a 12-year-old boy old enough to know he's gay? Is he old enough to know? Yes. It's also that age where he can be exploring and, and dealing with all kinds of various issues. You know? Especially in the modern world, where so much, so the all the options are kind of available to them, and so it's perfectly natural to explore. And periods of time, you are more interested in one thing than another. It's perfectly natural. But my suggestion is, don't make a big deal out of it. Whatever it is. I mean, if your son came to you and said, "Hi, hi, mom, dad, I'm interested in girls." Right? Your reaction should be the same as, Hi, Mom and Dad, I'm interested in boys. Or, you know, the daughter is the same way. It, you know? There shouldn't be a difference. If they want to wear clothes, if they want to present themselves as the opposite sex, then they want to present themselves as the opposite sex. You know? What they want to do long term, long time as an adult is an open question, but they're not going to understand how to do that if you don't allow them the experience. And when you're there to help them guide them through it in a compassionate, loving way, you know, where it's not a big deal, where it's just any other part of life, it's like learning to ride a skateboard or anything else. And your job isn't there, isn't to you know, as parents, oftentimes we think our job is to 
um, dictate who our children become. But that's not our job. Our job is to create a, uh, an environment that they can organically grow into the human beings that they want to become. Human beings they are meant to be, so to speak. You know, it's a hard thing, protecting versus, you know, allowing them to experience. But whatever you do, kindness and compassion, you will always be right at the end. Okay. As a father, I did the manliest thing in the world and took my 17-year-old daughter prom dress shopping. It was heart-wrenching experience because she thought she was fat in every dress she tried on. What should I do in this situation? Well, unfortunately, there's actually all you can really do in the middle of that situation is to tell her the truth. Right? Because if she's chubby, she knows she looks chubby. And if you tell her she's not, then she knows you're lying to her. You can tell her she looks great. You can tell her the dress looks good. But you have to be honest with her. You can't, as a father, set up a situation where you're being dishonest with her. Now, if she's not, then she has a perception problem. And that, with young girls at that age, you should probably... Do, most fathers aren't properly equipped. You want to find somebody who is, a counselor, somebody. I would, because it's a very dangerous time for young girls. And even if they are chubby, but body image, young women don't see themselves how they are. They just don't. And, and if they get caught in that mindset, you know, we're talking about getting caught in a mindset, it's very dangerous for them eating habits, body issues, you know, they start looking for uh, attention and affection in wrong places. It leads to a bunch of bad things. So you want to deal with that. And maybe she's trying, and if she is a little chubby, maybe you can get a salesperson to point her in the right kind of dress that kind of, uh, I don't want to say hides it, but it's the proper shape for her form. You know, there's right... There's, That's my advice, yes. There's proper shapes. You know, not all women <laughs> all women are the same shape. And so, you know, she might be just have trying on the wrong dresses. They look good to her eye, but they don't look good on her particular form. And so, in fact, that may you may need to find somebody she's willing to... A woman or... or Someone, a uh, guy who's fashion, you know, I don't know. You don't want to take someone like me, that's for freaking sure. But <laughs> take someone who understands these things with you and have them help her out. That's the other option. But I'm most concerned with the mindset that she's not seeing what's real. So that's what I would be most concerned with. Because everything else, if, as long as that's not happening, everything else is just trying on enough to find the one that she looks great in and it exists. Once she can figure out what kind she should be looking for. Even I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do I do? My husband has been really upset with me and dis distancing himself from me 
because I tried to make his 15-year-old daughter call me mom. He said, I don't like her mother, but she has a mom. Please respect that. He said it's her choice. Well, apologize. First, apologize to your stepdaughter. Yeah, sit down, have a genuine heartfelt apology. And then you go and have a heartfelt apology to your husband, because that's what's happened. You overstepped your bound. You don't ask stepchildren to call you mom. You earn that title. That is a title you earn. And if they grant it to you, you honor and you cherish that. Every day. Just today I was texting with one of my, you know, my daughter units. Who's not my daughter. She calls me dad. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But if you want it, you can't ask for it. So I apologize. It's the right thing to do. How should dad repair his relationship with his daughter? My daughter loved me until I didn't attend her wedding because I didn't approve of her boyfriend's occupation. He wasn't an MD like her. She has stopped speaking to me since. Should I go to her house? No. First, you apologize for being a butthead. Narrow-minded. Yeah, she doesn't need someone who's also a doctor. She can take care of that part of the relationship. She needs somebody who feeds the emotional part of her. Stop thinking from the economic point of view and think from her point of view. She's an MD. She has the earnings part set. What she needs is someone to support her in that career. That's what she's looking for. And if she got that, and if she's happy, what the hell is wrong with you? And so, and if he has a career, you just don't like it. Well, too bad, that's her choice. The question is, does she make him? No, does he make her happy? That's it. That's really all you can do. She's a professional. You have an apology to make. And you may want to start with him. Because that may be your best story. Because men don't want to see their fathers just, you know, and their daughter. It's not good for them, so. That's your Dorian. If you need a Dorian, it's through her husband. Okay. I agree. How do you feel when talking to someone wearing a mask? Disconnected, angry, annoyed, safe, or they are smart, or could you care less either way? I feel disconnected, but <sighs> I, I'm trying, I look at their eyes to see if they're smiling. It's a little confusing, but it's their choice. Yeah, well, the anxiety disorder in me doesn't like not having the signals, but it's, you know, so it's an anxiety reaction. But I have 
Like it's kindness and compassion is the only way our cultures and communities and societies are going to start weaving themselves back together. And it starts with you, not with somebody else. Kindness and compassion, love, it's a solution. Sometimes it's hard. You know, sometimes you don't want to. And, you know, and some people will feel like a big injustice has been done. But, you know, as a culture, as a community, you, sometimes you have to, you know, once it's passed, you have to put it aside and move past. Didn't say it was easy. That's what we got to do. Okay. Do you need therapy to heal from self-harm, self-hate, and internal confusion, or can you get over it yourself? Well, A, get over it is the wrong term to use, so you probably specifically need, need counseling, um, would be my suggestion. Can you, get can you deal with it through yourself? Can you work through it on your own? Theoretically, yes. But why would you? Do you deal with a broken arm by yourself? Could you theoretically set a broken arm and put it in a cast? And you could, but why would you? I mean, we hear stories about people who do operations on themselves, but would you? Is that preferable? Can you do it in an emergency? Yeah, okay. But if you have options, why would you? It's you don't get some medal for, for getting through it all on your own. It's not like, you know, you come out of it better than if you went through it with help. It's not how it works. There's no winning at this. It's not something you win at. Yeah, it's out of that mindset. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Get a counselor, clergy, whatever, somebody. Okay, my 12-year-old daughter is obese. How can I politely tell her that we are going to put her on a diet? Uh, uh, I, would, I wouldn't put her on a diet. I would take her to the doctor. Well, at this stage, you are probably already have. You were not talking about the doctors told them they need to go. So we're going to assume that some basics have been done. Um, but the problem is that there's likely other changes that need to happen. So before you put her on the diet, you're going to have to get her into counseling because she's likely using food as a comfort for something. Now at this point it may be a comfort for being overweight and dealing with all the issues that come about with being obese as a young person. You know, it could be a self-perpetuating thing. But you know, at this stage, you know, before you can deal with the diet, you have to deal with the mental part. And I'll give you people an example. I had a Dr. Pepper habit. And a lot of people think I quit my Dr. Pepper habit overnight, but I didn't. I had been thinking about it for months. 
saying this Dr. Pepper habit is foolish. It's going to hurt me long term. I need to start considering changing it. So when there was something to give me a little shove, it was relatively easy to make the change because I'd already been working on it. And so this is the same way that you should kind of, I think you would want to approach. Now let me rephrase that. Something like that is what you would like to consider. And instead of making a drastic snap change, give her time to prepare herself for it. And give her help. Because there's trauma involved. And if there's not already trauma involved, there's going to be. And so don't make it worse. I'm 23 and my mom is very strict with me. Even though I'm financially independent, she is still very strict. Moving out of the house is not an option. How can I deal with her? Well, if you're financially independent, moving out is an option. I mean, unless you're taking care of her medically. And that's part of the option. And then it's just a matter of setting your 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 ground rules because you're now an adult woman you don't have to, your mother can't tell you what to do and if the only thing she can hold over your head is that she's living you're living under her house and you are financially independent well then you're have an option maybe you need a roommate okay fine go get a roommate But if you're financially independent, that actually means you're not stuck under needing her help for us for a living. Now, maybe you want to. Maybe you're finishing college. Maybe there's all kinds of reasons for it. And maybe there is a medical issue. And then you're going to have to figure out how to set boundaries. But it's hard for, for you to set boundaries, you know. Because this has been going on a long time. And if you are actually not independent and she's lording this living situation over you, that's a situation you're not going to solve short term. It's just not. There's mindset issues that need to be worked on, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So. Your best option at 23 years old is, if you can, find a way, get a roommate, even if it's a small studio somewhere. You know? Save up. And if you're paying her for that room, well, then she still can't tell you what to do, because now you're a tenant, and tenants don't get you know. But anyway kick that one to death it's just there's not a good answer there is because how do you tell a 23 year old deal with a overbearing mother it's just, you could actually picture the mother you know the type of she's probably afraid of being an empty nester and holding you so tight that she's actually going to lose you or she's one of those helicopter parents and just hasn't accepted that you're now a, a full adult Still have a good answer. You know, I'd say family counseling, but 
somehow I doubt your mother. She's if she's that type of mother, she's not gonna go. So then, what do you do? The only thing you can do is move. She's not gonna hear you, then you have to move. Your relationship will grow and change in a wonderful way. Maybe. There's always a chance that she resents it. But you will grow in wonderful ways. Right now, you're prevented from growth because of this. You can't grow as a human being because of the conditions you're living in. You can feel it. You feel trapped. That's why you wrote that. That's why you asked that type of question. Okay. Anyway, all right, one more, I think. My cousin named her baby after my deceased mother, and I'm not happy about it. Do I have the right to be upset, or should I just get over it? Well, I can understand being upset. It's your mother's name. Perhaps you wanted to use it. But it is flattering. It is a flattering. Obviously, your mother was a wonderful person. And the baby is here now. And she's named. And for family unity, it well, is something that is going to have to be accepted in time. Well, what, okay, well, what if he had named the baby the same name just because they liked the name? It wasn't named after your mother. Were you going to have a problem with it? Well, there's lots of people who have lots of, of names. You know, James is a fairly relatively common name. Lots of people, good people, not so bad people, you know, not so good people have this, I share the same name. Um, and, as you said, it's, she obviously had an impact. If they did name it after her, after her, she obviously had an impact. It obviously meant something. And it's not about you. I mean, not everything's about you. This is about their relationship with your mother, not your relationship with your mother. Because your cousin has a child that's named something doesn't prevent you from naming your child after your mother if you wanted to. You know, what I would just suggest is to sit some down with yourself in the mirror, spend some time in the proverbial mirror, and ask, why am I upset? Figure out what you're really upset about. You're not upset about the baby having the same name. There's something else. Are you upset that somebody else had a relationship with a mother that you didn't get to have? Maybe you, you and your mother didn't have the loving, compassionate relationship that she had with your cousin. And that upset you. Maybe there was some unresolved issue. You know, maybe your relationship with your mother was great, except for some one single unresolved issue. And for whatever reason, this one sticks with you. This is where it pins you. This is where it sticks. Well, you're going to have to deal with that. You can't just get over it. You have to deal with it. And in order to deal with it, you have to figure out what it is. And I severely doubt that it's just because she shares the name. Something else. Something deeper. It's something you probably don't want to look at. But, you know, in order to get through life successfully, we have to look at those things.
You don't always have to share them with other people. Sometimes you're the only one you have to be honest with. You are your therapist. You have to be honest with yourself if you're going to grow, if you're going to move on, if you're going to become better, if you're going to become stronger against the world. You're going to become stronger against yourself. You're going to become the best partner, the best lover, the best spouse, the best you. You can be. You have to be honest with yourself. Then you have to be compassionate and kind with yourself and realize that you're also human. That you're going to trip over your own two feet. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to make an embarrassment of yourself. You're going to make decisions you're going to regret later. As well. But as you learn, you become better. Those mistakes become less. You become less drastic. You learn to deal with them better. You learn to clean up the messes better. You learn to, to not accidentally step on other people along the way. You learn how to do all these things. But it starts by spending time you know, with yourself and on this Valentine's Day working on your relationship, your closest relationship. Whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your mother, your father, your cousin, your whatever it is. There is a relationship that is right there with you that you can always work on. There is someone close to you. And, you know, on this Valentine's Day, maybe think of that. If you don't have a romantic partner, it doesn't need to be a romantic partner. Think of the person who you have right now that you can trust. Send them a note. And with that, being lovely, I want to wish you a uh, happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for being with us. You can find us at latenightlove.us. And uh, if you want to send Lovey a note, you can send it at love at latenightlove.us. You can send it at the website or on our Facebook page. So uh, with that, good night. And please remember to love everybody. Good night.